Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's drjoebrickner.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. Welcome back, folks, to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom and Coaching, Careers in Christ. The podcast was spawned from a book that I wrote about making a major change in careers, going from a corporate executive to a head men's basketball coach. In the book that I wrote, I really like talking about how hard that was going from one career to another. But I didn't want people just to have my perspective. I've been blessed to have some really great guests on the podcast who talk about careers, etc. Especially athletes who have moved on to doing things other than that. So today my guest is Rich Neiman, which is from St. Louis. Grew up there, played basketball there at St. Louis U. Pretty finished his pro career, came back and He's raised his family there. Rich, I'm really interested in knowing, because you played high school basketball, you played college basketball, you played professional basketball in the ABA and the NBA. Did you notice a coaching difference in, in those levels? That could be a tough question, and uh, part of it is my own, uh, I guess, just kind of inward, I guess is the way I would describe myself. Um, if you tell me to do something, I'm going to try to do it. I think that's, that's at least athletically, you know. Mm-hmm. High school, the high school coach I had, you know, you have three of them, your freshman coach and your sophomore coach. The sophomore coach was really, really helpful with the fundamentals. I mean, I'm talking about how to shoot a layup and where to put your feet and, you know, all, how, to, how to pass the ball, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that passing part. I skipped that class. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You're a good passer. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, you know, so you have that. The varsity coach was more introspective. I would say pretty much sarcastic. So some people will get turned off by that. I think I just didn't, it didn't bother me too much. Hmm. Uh, the The message that you may have heard or read is, you know, I became a great player because that coach said I couldn't play. Mm-hmm. You know, so I showed him. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was, I quit because that coach said I couldn't know that. Yeah. And then the other coach, he's got his arm around you and he's hugging you and stuff, and you're just great and you know whatever. So my guy was not that kind of guy. <laughs> so anyway, so that was high school. I think I mentioned we saw in the state tournament. That, I think, was a matter of uh, happenstance. Uh, I remember we had a timeout with two minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, we had some plays designed. We couldn't run it. It just didn't work. 
And a minute later, he called us over and said, well, if it isn't going to work, we're going to get the last shot. So, you know, I think that was good on his part. He was pretty insightful as to what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, college, I was recruited by a, a coach named John Bennington from St. Louis U. Right. Been there a long time. The classiest person you'll ever want to meet. Just an awesome, I mean, he was just a, a solid, solid guy. I never got to play varsity for him. I played freshman. Of course, we had another freshman coach. Freshman basketball was a meat grinder, as you probably remember. Yeah. You know, you go through all the practices and you play against all the seniors. And what do they do? Us, you know, to us young freshmen, what do they do, right? <laughs> but you learn from that as well. And then uh, St. Louis U hired uh, Joe Buddy Bramer, who had won a national tournament at uh, Rockhurst NAI yeah. tournament. The board thought he was God's gift to basketball. I would have to say that he helped me a bunch individually. Mm -hmm. um, summertime, again, it's that beat him up kind of kind of stuff. I'm going to get another player, and you're going to just battle it until you know one of you scores. You know, one on one, all that stuff. It helped me a bunch. We had three players from my from my college team make the pros. Eugene Moore had a long, long career in the ABA, Kentucky, New York, Dallas. Uh, Barry Orms played a couple of years in Baltimore and myself, but we were a 500 team. You know, once again, team is important. You know, so. so that was college. Professionally, first coach was Donna Butcher from Detroit. He was relieved in about January. Uh, a guy named Paul Seymour, who'd been in the NBA forever yeah. and ever. Yeah. And he was the next coach. And he helped me a bunch. And probably one big help if he traded me. So, <laughs> so I wasn't playing much in Detroit. So uh, I got to um, go to Milwaukee. And that was Larry Costello. And oh, again, yeah. very, very good fundamental coach. I mean, a playbook that was two inches thick. And you better know you better know what one means. One down and one up and whatever. So that was helpful from uh, from that point of view. Mm -hmm. Milwaukee went on to win an NBA title, uh, not with me, but with uh, Kareem. I could never figure that out, but somehow, what, what can I tell you, you know? Oh, I know. He's not near the athlete you were. <laughs> <laughs> no, not in my mind anyway. But uh, anyway, so that was Milwaukee. I went to Boston. I was there for a little bit, two months, three months. Um, Tom Heinsohn was the coach there. Mm-hmm. He ended up having a nice NBA career. This was his first year, and whenever things got tough, uh, he would step aside and read our book. We'd come down and read us the riot act of how, how things really were. Really? And uh, so that was, you know, Red sat about six rows back of the bench in the times that I remember. Mm. And, you know, when there was something happening, he'd be given the signal of what to do. But, you know, Mr. Einstein learned from that, I'm sure, and had a nice, successful career at Boston as well. Yeah. The most interesting coach I had was a guy named Bones McKinney. Played at Wake Forest. He actually played for the Washington Capitals with Red Arbach. And this is going back in the 40s or the 50s or whenever that was yeah. happening. You know, a Carolina guy, a Carolina draw, just, again, helped me a ton by playing me. I guess that's the best thing. You know, you learn a whole bunch by playing. There's, you know, and that's talking at this point. Yeah. Um, and where was he coaching? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Carolina Cougars. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I moved to the ABA. I'm sorry. I skipped that part. 
I got released by Boston. The Carolina Cougars picked me up, and I had a really nice year with uh, probably my best professional year. Mm -hmm. And then I was so cocky, I asked for a raise to (laughs) $25,000. I was gone. (laughs) (laughs) You're out of there. (laughs) So, uh, give you a little insight. That wouldn't even be the blip on the negotiation right today. Oh, I know. You know. I'm looking for forty-one million four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. <laughs> no, whatever. So it was just a different time. But, uh, so but to Florida, I would have to say uh, that person. We didn't see eye to eye. I think none of the players saw eye to eye with him. Uh, road trips, we would rent a couple of cars and we would drive from the airport to the hotel. No one wanted to ride with him. So I, I can remember one one time I was a driver that day and we had a station wagon that would hold maybe six big people, seven. The, the car was stuck. I mean, people were laying in the back. They don't want they don't want to be with the big man. Who was this? Uh, his name was Hal Blitman. Hal Blitman. But anyway, um, he lasted a couple of years, and uh, I don't want to speak ill of anyone. So that's yeah. Anyway, that wasn't very good for me. So anyway. And finally, uh, Dallas, uh, Tom Nasalki, who had been an assistant at Milwaukee yeah. when I was there, so I got to know him, and, and he did what he could do. I, I just didn't have a great year, and it was hard, so end of story, you know? So how old were you when you finished your career? Uh, if I had a math major around, I could figure this out. Probably uh, 25, I guess. 25? Yeah. Like yeah. Then what did you do after that? Well, Julie will tell you, I decided that I wanted to go to Europe. And at the time, you had to be an amateur. So that was quite quite mm-hmm. a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I held out hope. That I had a friend at the AAU that I was trying. You had to get this AAU card. Right. And so I filled out uh, an application for swimming, which if you've ever seen me swim, I'm clearly an amateur swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, they'll never look at the sport. They'll just look at the card. I'm going, oh, cool. So I, I dillied around with that for three or four months. Um, I looked into coaching at the time, um, and it just wasn't happening. Julie finally said, you know, it's time to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> she was she was going to graduate school at the time. Yeah. So uh, I got a job selling chemicals for a company out of New Jersey. I enjoyed that a lot, actually. So I, I sold chemicals for three years, and legal ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So for three years, and then the economy changed, and the sales went down. It was a commission job, so sales went down. And Pat Brooks, another one of our teammates, was working for a steel company, and I got a job selling steel, steel pipe and tubing, uh, on the phone. You know, just never met the customers. So that was that was good. Uh, Julie finished her degree, got a job, and then I went back to school and started teaching. Okay, uh, and had a pretty checkered past, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think how old you were when we teamed up and we won that national championship. The AAU national seventy-six. I was born in forty-six. So let's see. I say we were thirty years old. Thirty years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's that math major coming through, man. You did learn something in college. (laughs) (laughs) I got a calculator right here. I just (laughs) tell me. Of all those coaches and everything, are there any life lessons that you learn from some of those coaches? Well, each one of them has 
something they can give you or try to teach you. And I guess the life lesson is try to follow what they're after. You know, learn the offense, play the defense, you know, all the stay out of trouble stuff that, that we all know and love about. And I, so I think each one of them was a guide in that way. Um, and so you learn both ways. You learn, um, what you like what you would like to do as a person and what you maybe don't want to do as a person. The life lessons I would have to say that were most impactful to me was a guy named Dave DeBusher. He had a very successful MBA career, ended up being the uh, president, I believe, of the ABA, perhaps. I'm not sure. I think he did that. General manager, no, president, I think, of the ABA. Anyway, um, so we're in training camp in Detroit. That's right. The Busher was in Detroit before he yeah, went to New York. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was hurt, so he wasn't able to go through practice. He would literally scoot on the floor using his hips and his legs and his arms as a strengthening. He, I don't remember what his injury was, but he couldn't run. So he did everything he could think to do to make himself strong and keep himself strong. Anyway, to watch that, to watch the drive that he had was impressive. And then the next thing he told me was he said, this shot isn't going to work in the NBA. It's too slow. I, I had this nice, sweeping, lazy hook shot. He said, not going to work. Mm. So he helped me speed that up to be as, as effective as, as I could be in that area. So Dave DeBusher made a huge impact, whether he knows it or not, uh, on me. My first impression in Detroit, you know, you go and you're in a hotel and it's the night before rookie camp and you're all scared, at least I was. And you're sitting in your hotel room by yourself and you knock on the door and it's a guy named Dave Bing. Oh, he had been an all-star. Yeah. He was, he was an on the all-star team the year before. Yeah. He and another player named Sonny Doug showed up and they took all of the rookies out for a drink. And it, it brings it back down to real people. They were kind enough to spend their Sunday night or whatever night it was entertaining 10 rookies. You know, we went to a black jazz bar and there you were. It was just really cool. So I, I remember him fondly for that, for that reason. Well, isn't it interesting how times have changed because now they go out, or at least I've read a few stories about this where they go out and they go to these very expensive places and order most expensive things and then they force the rookies to pay for that. Ah, uh, okay. Go, Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't remember any hazing anywhere along the line from my from my time. Mm-hmm. And there's one other gentleman I would remember so I left out and his name was Wayne Embry. Oh yeah, another great um, Cincinnati Royals. Right. Right. Yeah. He um when the when the league expanded and Milwaukee picked a team, Wayne Embry was going to be their center, and he got hurt. That's how I got traded. So I knew him in Milwaukee, and then coincidentally he was involved in operations at Boston. And so after I got released from Milwaukee, I'm pretty sure he was instrumental in getting me picked up by Boston. They had another injury. It's all. All based on injury. Who got hurt? Here's our team. Whoop, this guy's off the list. You know, wherever. So, Wayne, I can't remember the circumstances. I can remember being in some rep gym 
which were nothing like the Rick Jims people know today. I'm talking about dark and weird neighborhood and people running all over the place. And just I was just practicing whatever I was trying to practice. And he happened to be there. And he was kind enough to help me with some things. Mm. So you have your coaches, but you also have players who thought enough about the team and uh, me to step aside and say, hey, let me, let me see if I can't show you something. Those are my three. That's great. The guys that you talked about were just excellent basketball players to begin with. Mm-hmm. And to think, and you know, they all had really, really good careers. They played on successful teams. And you can kind of tell why, if that's the type of attitude that they had, is, you know, I'm going to take you under my wing. I'm going to help you get better. You can't ask for better teammates than that. You cannot. I, I really, the year that DeBusher was in Detroit, they traded him in, I believe, January, maybe earlier to the New York Knicks. And that's the team that won the championship that year. That's the Willis Reed limping on the court, yeah. all that stuff. DeBusher and one other player were traded from Detroit. We got Walt Bellamy and a guy named Howard Comives, who were fine players and was not a there's no personality issue or anything, but the Busher just fit in with the mix unbelievably. You know, he, he was one forward and Bradley was at the other right, forward. Right, exactly. Yeah, and another was, one of those guys that played. They played. Uh, they played together. Yes. You know, nobody was going to complain if the Busher got twenty and Bradley got five. There was not going to be a big fight in the locker room over you know, throw me the ball or any of that, any of that stuff. It was it was pretty cool. Your experience of being on so many different types of teams, uh, who do you think was the, the best player you played with? You! <laughs> you throw me the ball all the time. <laughs> well, I'm not stupid. <laughs> you know, I, it, that would be hard to say because I, the, the Kudas teams that, that you were a part of, I felt that same camaraderie and selfishness mm-hmm. all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know that I shot the ball all the time, <laughs> but I think it was with the intention of winning the game. Exactly. I think it was the way we played and the same thing. You know, people are kid about it now, but I, I, I hope anyway that they're kidding about it. Hey, we were there to win. We wanted to win this game. And not that that was the only way, but that was what we did. Well, I mean, what a weapon we had with you in the middle. And I mean, your, your hook shot, either right handed or left, yeah. is the best. Yeah. And, and it was kind of funny when you talked about your high school teammate that used to throw you the ball and you'd catch it and you'd only have to, you know, go two right. or three inches to get right. in the room. Yeah. You were excellent about giving us a target. And yeah. if we hit your hand, I mean, you were almost at the rim already. And right. They had the guy sealed behind you. What are they going to do with a seven foot two guy that has a great hook either way? I mean, so if we didn't pass you the ball, you know, they should boot us off the team. That <laughs> <laughs> didn't make sense, no. you know. And then, the, and you weren't you weren't a black hole either. You know, when you got it inside and you didn't have the position, it always came right back out. And either you repost or if, if they drop down a double team, you know, we had some. Outstanding outside shooters on that team. We did, we did. And so, yeah, you could go it. through the list. I saw Vince DeGrief a week ago at a Billiton game, and we were 
thinking about how the fact that he probably should have gone to the Berg uh, for high school. Mm. And so you start to think about that, and you go, well, would that have been the best thing? Obviously, Vince is a great player, yeah. and we and we played well together, but yeah. how would that have worked out? I mean, you know, yeah. can Render connect from the outside? You, Gary Spar, I mean, you just go down the list and have a, an Eddie Locke, we used to call him the human bowling ball. <laughs> there was... <laughs> You give everybody a shot, you know? It was just really, really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole list, you're just going down the line, and, and uh, Jerry Bose could, you know, and we, had, we just had a great team, I thought. Well, what's really cool about that is, you know, we got along so well on the court, we got along even better off the court, and to this day, we are best friends. You know, yeah. The team, oh, not, yeah. not not just one or two guys off it, the team are best friends. Right, yeah. You, yeah. you can't replace those days. I mean, and that's it's just terrific. Very lucky, very blessed. What brought you back to actually play AAU basketball after you had a pro career? Because most people, after they're done with playing pros, you know, they don't want to continue to play. I mean, it's hard, especially for a big person. I mean, your, your knees start bothering you, your hips are bothering you, etc. But you didn't. You kept playing. You're still playing today. At, what are you now? Sort of. 93 years old or something? <laughs> Get that calculator out again, man. <laughs> still, still playing on Monday nights, I think. Yeah. yeah. What brought you back? I was in that phase of changing from I got to give up this basketball dream, you know, going to Europe, like I mentioned. Mm hmm. Uh, Bob Clark had a, had a team. He was involved in at the, at the Kudis level. Bob Clark and Sikowski, you know, and uh, Jim Buford. And so he he got me to play up at Wool Community Center, which was the first first AAU ball I played up there. And then as time has it, guys change and the jobs change and whatever. And uh, we split up for a while. And I think it was Bob again that came. My, it was either Bob or Hank. Vince and I were playing on one team. Both guys were playing on another team. And every time it got down to the finals of the league, the two of us would meet, and one of us would beat the other. And it's like, well, hey, why don't we just put this together? And uh, that's what we did. We did. Yeah, I was blessed because that was the first year that I'd been living in St. Louis. I'd moved up from uh, Topeka. And I was playing, I called Jimmy Buford and said, hey, I'm moving to St. Louis. And Jimmy and I were teammates in college. And kind of next right, right. And I said, hey, I'm moving to St. Louis. Are you playing? I sure would like to play. He says, yeah, you can play on our summer league team. So I was with Jim and Bob Clark and Hank. And you and Vince were on the other team. And we played you in the championship game. And we beat you guys that time. I figured it figured as much. <laughs> Paying the referee didn't hurt, though. Well, no, I know. <laughs> Fortunately, we had somebody like Bob Clark who could, you know, slip the money underneath the table and get it done. <laughs> But, but I remember after that game was over, I mean, it was really, really competitive. But when it was over, we all went out to this bar. And I mean, we stayed there late. It was, and it wasn't a, a dance type bar. It was just a bar where you got food and, and drinks. And gosh, we stayed there for two, three hours. And that's when, when you guys decided, we're going to merge teams. And, and we did. And that very first year after we did, we won the national championship. Right, so, right. I, yeah, I just, it was it was a good a good plan. And we stayed together. The last I remember was four decades. We won the Salvation Army League. It was four. Is that amazing? 
Yeah, and I think Jim, if Jim stayed on a little longer, he might be in the fifth decade now. <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing. Well, Rich, I'm going to break off here again for a short period of time. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing today. Maybe even before we get into that, what happened after we moved from sales into teaching, how, how that happened, and uh, some, some of your perspectives on teaching. We'll do that when we come back. All right, All right. Look forward to it. All right. Thanks. Okay.